Welcome. We are so glad you've joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. For a few moments tonight on the goodness of God. We serve and love a good God, not an evil God, not someone who demands things that are impossible. James 1 verse 17 says, Every gift God freely gives us is good and perfect. Streaming down from the Father of lights, who shines from the heavens with no hidden shadow or darkness and is never subject to change. God was delighted to give us birth by the truth of his infallible word so that we would fulfill his chosen destiny for us and become the favorite ones out of all of his creation. Well, God loves all of his creation. Remember, he created the moon and the stars, then he did the trees and the plants and, and the fish and the whales, crocodiles, mosquitoes, all those bugs and goodies and baddies. And then he created man and woman. He said it was good at the end of every day. Do you know what he said when he created man and woman? He said, this is very good. Wow, that shows that he loves us. We're, we are the greatest thing in his creation is man and woman. I'm amazed. Countries spend billions of dollars. Richard Branson wants to fly out to space to see if anyone else lives out there. What a waste of money. There may be, there may not be. But I just think, why waste billions of dollars to see if someone else lives out there when God's clearly told us, we live here and we are the crown of his creation. Let's live it with all of our freedom and all of our fullness and let's do everything we can with our hearts, our resources, our money to make this place a better place for his kingdom. Because Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Didn't talk about Mars or people that lived out on the planets. There may be another whole story there that in eternity we might discover. But why waste time and energy and money on it when God's created us and he says, this is very good. You are very good. The problem is sin and darkness came and brought destruction and sin and selfishness and pain. And so humanity is so broken without Jesus. And sometimes when I pray and deal with people and I start to think God what do you think about this and I, sometimes I just start to weep because I think God your heart must be so broken that people that you created in your image are so damaged and the things we do to one another outside of Jesus and yet he's a good God he's an awesome awesome and so every good and perfect gift that comes from heaven is good God is good he's a full of hope and life he is not negative and fearful and mean. And some bad things happen in this life. And there are people sitting here tonight, you've had some horrible tragedies happen in your life. But I want to tell you, God is still a good God. And the enemy tries to get us to blame God for the things that happen. I remember when I first went overseas on my first mission trip in 1991. I went to Thailand went to Vietnam, I went into uh, Burma, which is now Myanmar, and I saw all these people with their idols on the corners and in the front of their yards and their house, burning incense, poor as, and putting offerings of food on these altars to try and appease the gods who they thought were angry at them. And they were, they were doing everything they could with the little bit of money and the offerings, and they were trying to do everything they could to appease angry gods. 
or unpredictable gods or spirits that were, and some of their gods are called the God of death and destruction. And I thought, wow, this is, my heart just broke when I first saw it because I'd never seen it firsthand. And they were so sincere. That was the only way they knew how to live life because their concept of whoever God was was so wrong, so distorted. And I thought, God, you're the God of love. You're a good God. You're full of goodness. You're full of hope. And it just stirred my heart to do everything I could to somehow present hope to them and work with the pastor and leaders. That's why I've been on numerous missions trips throughout the world over the years. And our church has supported missionaries and, and prayed for people and given and sent teams all over the world because there's such darkness outside of Jesus Christ. Romans 15.13 says, Now may God, the inspiration and fountain of hope. Do you need some hope? Just grab it tonight. It's been poured into our souls. He's the fountain of hope. Fill you to overflowing with uncontainable joy and perfect peace as you trust in Him. As Rachel was sharing before about peace. And may the power of the Holy Spirit continually surround your life with His superabundance until you radiate with hope. You've got hope radiating out of your life. They can feel you coming through the doorway, you know. Or do you carry a cloud of depression and frustration and negativity and fear? And they think, oh no, look who's arrived. I hope that's not what I hope you radiate with hope. So when you walk into a room, they think, wow, this will be good. I wonder what story they got today. It says you radiate, you're pulsating with hope. Wow, that's how we, God wants us to be. You say, well, life's not that perfect. Now, life is full of challenges and pain and difficulty. But let me tell you, the Spirit of God within is a good God and He wants to radiate hope. He wants your heart bubbling up with hope. So wherever you go, whenever you talk to people, there's hope coming out of your soul. doesn't mean you have to swamp people, but you listen to their hearts and then you speak some hope into it. We did a wedding yesterday with uh, Roy and Lisa and the photographer was from the... Gold Coast, and he sat, happened to be sitting right across us at the table, and Dave was there as well. We had a great conversation with him. He was open to spiritual things, and Mary Lynn is sharing her story, and, she's, and he looked at us after and says, I wish my wife was here to hear that. She really, she would love to hear your stories. He was interested, but he said she would be right there responding to your stories. And it was like it was just a precious moment of bringing hope. And we gave him his our card, and he, he said, I'd love to, to, I'd love to meet some more of you people and hear your stories. I thought, well, there's so many people just searching for it because you, you start to radiate hope. We're just who we are, and people start to get drawn. Like, we get familiar with it, but let me tell you, it's a powerful thing when hope is radiating out of your soul. Your conversation, just the way you do life, the way you treat one another, the way we show respect and love and care for people, it radiates hope. And that's the God that we serve. And it goes on and says, My dear brothers and sisters, I am fully convinced of your genuine spirituality. I know that each of you is stuffed full of God's goodness. Wow, this is the passion version. You're stuffed full of God's goodness. Not full of depression and discouragement and fear and oh, disappointment. Hey, those things happen to us, but we can't stay there. No matter how difficult God's drawing you into a place, of hope for your soul. He can turn even the greatest tragedies into a place of hope. Let me tell you, He can if we make space for Him. And it goes on and says, 
that you are richly supplied with all kinds of revelation knowledge and that you are empowered to effectively instruct one another. I started to look at the God of hope and I looked at the Old Testament and just grabbed a few verses. Psalm 23 verses 5 and 6. You become my delicious feast even when my enemies dare to fight. You anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of, your, of you until my heart overflows. Wow, you drink of his presence. That's what happens when we pray and worship and hang out together. We're drinking of his presence. His love is filling us up so that we've got plenty to pour out all week around us. So why would I fear the future? Why would I fear the future? For your goodness and love pursue me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. Wow. There's some pretty fearful things going on in our world and in our neighborhoods and sometimes even in our own lives. But it says, you pursue us. The King James Version says, your, mercy, your goodness and mercy follows me all the days of life. But it's actually a lot stronger word than that. It's actually pursue. You realize God's running after you every day to pour on his goodness on your life? Boy, some of us made it, make it really hard for him to find us, but he knows where we are. We're running a dart in here, there and everywhere. We got the umbrella up because we're too scared of getting the rain of his love over our souls. But let me tell you, he's running after us every day to pursue us, to catch up to us and pour goodness and love and hope into our souls no matter where we are, whatever's going on in our souls, in our lives. He's running after us. He's pursuing us and he won't give up. The psalmist says, even if I make my bed in hell, God, you're going to show up there and pull me out and rescue me. Even if your life feels like hell, God knows where to find you. And he knows where to find your relatives. And he knows where to find the people in our city that are right now are in pain and darkness and brokenness. And his spirit's out there reaching out to them. Oh, I just love his grace that he pursues. He runs after us with his goodness. Not like a parent running after a kid who's been naughty to try and do some discipline. No, that's what's the picture. Some people have got a God. Oh, if I show up at church, God will get me. I have people that say all the time, if I show up, the roof will fall in. I said, no, it's not. It's really well made, our church. I know it definitely won't fall in. Look at those beams up here, you know. I have really interesting stories with some of the men I talk to. Oh, mate, if I come to church, who knows what will happen? I said, well, why don't you just try it and see? I remember one guy came years ago. It was so funny. Him and his wife were sitting down towards the back there. It was a Sunday night about 13, 14 years ago. And at the end of the service, I'm walking down the back and I felt the Lord say, go and offer to pray for them. I'd never seen them, didn't know if they're Christians, didn't know anything about them. So I went up and introduced myself. I said, could I say a prayer of blessing for you? And they both said, yes. They weren't Christians, but they were sitting in church. So I prayed for them. And as soon as I did, I felt this power of heaven come pouring through me. You know, like occasionally when you pray, it's like there's something just happens. And I opened my eyes and, and he's crying his eyes out. He looked at me and said, I need to talk to you this week. And I said, great. So we organized details. I went around visiting him. He was dying of cancer. He'd been a wealthy businessman in our city. He'd owned caravan parks and resorts and everything, but he was 63 years old and dying of cancer. He'd been able to control his life, but he couldn't control us. He was out of control. And he came to church. I went around to meet him. I had the privilege of leading him to Jesus because he was desperate. 
He said, I've always been in control, would never ever can think about God, but I need help. And then I said to him, how on earth did you find our church? I love telling this story. A few of you have heard it, but most of you haven't. He said, well, I went on a holiday with my wife to America. And we went to one of those, those black churches where they just sing and dance and yell hallelujah and there's noise and the band and it goes on for hours. He said, it was an amazing experience. I'd never been to one like that in my life. He came back to Harvey Bay and it was, he, he, he was diagnosed with incurable cancer. He was having a test drive in a car from one of the car yards here in town. And he was having a conversation with the, the, the guy from the car yard. And this guy was asking a question. He says, you know, I had an amazing experience recently. I was over in America. We went to the, one of those black churches where they just go for it. You know, it's, everyone's dancing, clapping. He said, you wouldn't know a church in Harvey Bay like that, would you? He says, yes, I do. <laughs> he drove down the street past base and said, that's it. Go there. This guy wasn't the, the now the realist, the uh, car salesman wasn't a Christian and had never been to our church. This is the miracle. His wife had been twice when she was sick a year or two before, but never kept coming. And he said, "That's the church you need to go to." That's how he showed up the next Sunday night at church. Hey, you don't, you can't tell me God's not reaching out to people across our city. He gave his heart to Jesus. His wife came and gave her heart to Jesus. Within weeks, their daughter and her husband and their four kids all gave their hearts to Three generations within about three weeks. God touched him, but it was about, he slowly got worse and I thought he was going to die. I went to Hillsong Conference and he was on his deathbed. And I thought, mate, I'll have to do a funeral when I get back, but I was still believing for him. I get back five days later, he's sitting up in bed. I said, mate, how you doing? I said, what's happened? He says, I don't know. You guys have been praying and someone else came visit and prayed and I'm just feeling better and better. He went back to the doctor. Within weeks, he was totally clear of cancer. He was, he was, he was so close to dead. He was all yellow and I thought I'd be doing a funeral. He lived another five years, travelled all over the world with his wife, made up for all the times he hadn't looked after his family. He said, I was cruel and harsh. I never provided for my family. And then I had the privilege of doing his funeral five years later when he was in his late 60s. You can't tell me God's not a good God. He's an amazing God. Even to send someone who knew about our church but had never been here, to send him here. I just think, God. I've got dozens of those sort of stories because I know God's a good God. I know the pain people go through, but I know he's an amazing God. And he wants us to be sowing seeds and, and inviting people to come and sharing the good news. Let me tell you, God pursues us. Exodus 33, 19. This is where... Amy read some of these scriptures tonight. Moses said, show me your glory. I want to see your glory. Verse 19, it says, And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Wow. He asked for the glory of God because this is after the burning bush experience. And what did God do? God didn't come with lightning and thunder and all this incredible glory and power. He says, Moses, you can't see me face to face yet. I'm going to hide you in the rock, but you can look and see. And he said, I will pass all my goodness in front of you. 
God revealed himself as a God of goodness to bring life to him. He could have revealed himself in fire and, and lightning bolts or Ten Commandments, and these are the three things you've got to do to get your life sorted out. He, he went past and, uh, and he said, I'll show you all of my goodness. Moses was never the same after that encounter. He had the courage to lead the people of Israel in the promised land. He had an encounter with the goodness of God that changed his life forever. Wow, so we sing, show me your glory, and that's the power and grace of God. God says, my glory is revealed through my goodness. That's how he chose to reveal himself. How awesome is that? God is a good God. The devil's always lying to us, say God's not fair, and he gets his offended him, but let me tell you, God's a good God. Psalm 27, 13. I remain confident in this, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. The psalmist says, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I want to ask you a question. What do you see when you look around about life, when you look at your own life? Because what you choose to see, what you look for is what you'll see. If you look for negativity and pain, that's what you're going to see. If you look for fear and rejection, guess what? That's what you're going to see. It's amazing. You, you buy a new car, it's a different colour, and then all of a sudden you see all the cars around town the same colour, but you never noticed them before. You know? You're getting your hair cut and all of a sudden you see all the other people have got the same haircut, but you never saw it before. You buy a house and it's got a certain f fence or roof and all of a sudden you see all the other houses down the street that are the same. You never saw it before. You see what you look for. It's the same in life. You'll see God how you want to see him. And it takes courage to say, God, show me as you really are, not just as I think you are. That's why it says to seek him. Those who seek him with all their heart, he will be found by them. Those that hunger and thirst are righteous will be filled. For some of us, God seemed distant and irrelevant. If that's how you see him, that's how he'll be to you. But when you say, God, put your goodness on my life, show me who you really are, you'll start to see him and experience him in a whole different world. Wow, that is so powerful. So he says, I will see your goodness in the land of the living. Psalm 32, 11. So celebrate the goodness of God. He shows his kindness to everyone who is his. Go ahead, shout for joy, all you upright ones who want to praise him, to please him. Wow, so why are you guys so noisy at church? Well, we've just read a few of these psalms that told us to celebrate, to shout, to give praise, to celebrate his goodness. Go for it with all your heart. That's why we are wholehearted in our praise and worship. That's why we're passionate or authentic. We're not trying to put on a show. We're just, just honoring God and doing what God's told us to do. So no, whether, no matter whether you've been a Christian for, for three hours, 30 years, or anywhere in between, or 50 years, just do what God's taught us to do. After I got saved, within a short time, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, a freedom came alive, and I just started to shout and dance and clap, and I haven't stopped since. 40-something years later, the poor old body doesn't do quite as well as it used to be, but I just think, well, God, you taught me to do this. And there's something happens when there's a freedom in your soul that it grabs other people's attention. I say, why, why would you do that? God draws us by His Spirit. Psalm 119.68 says, Everything you do is beautiful, flowing from your goodness. 
Teach me the power of your wonderful words. Wow, the psalmist understood the goodness of God. One more psalm, Psalm 145, 7 says, They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Wow, so when you come into church, whether you're feeling like it or not, I've learned just to do what God says and you'll find you'll start to experience what you sing about. It's a step of faith sometimes. Sometimes you don't feel like it, but I've learned you do it. What about the New Testament? A couple of verses in the New Testament. We've just looked at a few in the Old. Romans 2.4 says, Or you do, do you despise the riches of His goodness, forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Well, how many of us have heard fire and brimstone messages, turn or burn, most of us run for our lives, but how many of us have seen or experienced or heard about God's love and we just think, wow, if a God would love us like that, I want to find out more about this. And yes, we need to preach that the, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So don't stop halfway through the message. It's eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And most people know they're fallen short and sinning and making a mess of their lives. We don't have to beat that drum too much. But a whole lot of people need to discover that there's a good God who's got hope and wants to change their life. Oh, let's live it, let's show it, let's teach it. And we will see more and more lives Transform. Peter, how did Peter come back to Jesus? He'd run away from God, denied Jesus on the night he was betrayed. He went back fishing. Remember, Jesus had called him off the beach and Peter said, I'll leave all this, I'll follow you. When it didn't work out too well, he went back fishing. Jesus comes, sets a fire on the beach, tells them to throw the nets on the other side and when they do, it's full of fish. An act of kindness, Peter says, it's Jesus. He jumps out of the boat. Leaves the other guys pull all the fish in. Typical Peter. <laughs> Jesus got breakfast, mate. I'm having breakfast with Jesus. The other guys are still pulling all the fish in and working hard. What convinced Peter that Jesus was there to, to love him and bless him? He saw the goodness of God. Jesus didn't come and say, Peter, you rascal. You, you betrayed me again. You let me down again. There are times for accountability, I understand that. But let me tell you, I've worked with people long enough to know that if they experience love, they'll want to turn away from the other stuff anyway. Because they realize just how inferior and how negative and destructive it is. The goodness and kindness of God leads us to repentance. A couple more verses. The, the Passion Version says, Do the riches of His extraordinary kindness make Him... Make you take him for granted and despise him? Haven't you experienced how kind and understanding he has been to you? Don't mistake his tolerance for acceptance. Do you realize that all the wealth of his extravagant kindness is meant to melt your heart and lead you into repentance? Oh, I love that. Melt your heart from hardness. Some of those hearts get so hard because they've been damaged and broken and mistreated. They've been taught that God's an angry God. No, he's not angry. He wants to redeem us and restore us. He hates sin, but he loves the sinner and he's drawing us back to himself. Romans 8.28, one of the most well-known verses in the Bible, in the Passion, it says, So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together 
to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are His lovers who have been called to fulfill His designated purpose. Mate, there's some things that have happened in my life. I say, God, how on earth can you turn this for good? But I've learned to trust Him and in His amazing way, He does. Sometimes you've been through a tough time, it gives you compassion to bring hope to other broken hearts. If that's the least of what he does, God turns it for good. Other times we go through suffering and pain and we wait and we wait and we pray and we wait. And it's in the waiting you've got to keep trusting. Because sometimes we think, God, you haven't heard my prayer. Well, why, when's this going to turn around? I've just read the Bible. Joseph spent 13 years in slavery and prison before his promises came to pass. 13 years. Moses spent 40 years in the wilderness, saw the promised land and didn't even go in. We heard Shane Willard come and teach. Jesus trained up to 12 years under um, a rabbi and then for the next 18 years he kept training until he was 30 before he started his ministry. Mate, we're sometimes in so much of a hurry when God says... Hold on, you're not ready yet, you're not ready yet, you're not ready yet, you're not ready yet. But in the process, keep trusting me because I'm going to keep changing you. And he loves us. So don't, don't jump ship when it takes a while longer. There's been some prophecies over my life and Mary Lynn's life that are only being fulfilled now, 30 years later. And we could have got, tried to make them happen or got anxious about it. Why does it take so long? Sometimes because we're just not ready. And sometimes because we need to get closer to his heart so that when we do start to flow in his promises, we're ready. Other times, it can happen really fast. And say, God, I'm not ready. It's okay. Whether you're running to keep up or whether God's running to keep pouring on you, doesn't matter. Just keep moving forward. A couple more scriptures. Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit. The result of his presence within us is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting. That's a true definition of patience. Mate, we're an impatient crowd, aren't we? You go to the restaurant and there's four people in the line in front of you saying, oh, why don't they hurry up and speed up, you know? They should have a second checkout going. And we're just so impatient. We get the traffic lights. Think, mate, they should change quicker. We've been here 35 seconds. Oh. I love the first time I went to Fiji on a missions trip in 1994. Nothing happened in a hurry back then. I'm on Fiji time. Everyone walked around with T-shirts. I'm on Fiji time. We had tickets to, to fly to the next island on the plane. The plane's about two hours late. And then there's 24 seats on the plane. 24 people have got tickets. Only four of us got on the plane because someone had decided to fill all the other seats with frozen fish because that was more invaluable cargo. All the others had tickets. They had to wait to the next plane. I said, when's that? Oh, two days time. I learned really fast. Life goes at a whole different pace here in Fiji. I got on, thankfully, because I was a a foreigner and uh, the pastor pulled some strings to make sure I got on because I had to preach for the next week 
on the next island. But I realized, hey, we're so stressed out about stuff that hasn't happened. I've been to Vietnam and preached there years ago. I met a pastor's wife. We had to dodge secret police and all over the city and finally two hours later we were able to catch up with her in a fourth story cafe. Her husband had been in prison for 20 years and she was still planting churches waiting for him to come out of prison and take leadership of the church again. I sat there humbled and I just wept. Then they said, and they got 150 of them together at great risk for them because they all could have been arrested and so could we. It was the underground church. And the pastor said, we want you to pray for them. I'm looking at them saying, I'd prefer them to pray for me. I think they know Jesus a lot closer. Oh, no, no, you've come from overseas. They're ready to hear a word from you. And I look at them, they got the scars. And I said, I need to pray for that guy. His arms all over place. Yeah, they hung him upside down in the prison for weeks. That's why all his bones are disjointed. But he still, when he got out, he went back and started preaching Jesus again. And I thought, Lord, I thought, Lord, the God I know is not the same depth these people know. It changed my heart forever. Changed the way I see life and... I don't get impatient very often anymore after seeing and talking with some of those people. It changed my perspective on life and upon God. I said, Lord, help us not to be rushing around, just wanting everything to happen now. Help me to have an attitude. And they didn't get bitter against God or against the guards. Shirley Carpenter, that some of you have heard and know, she was on that trip. She got poisoned and almost died. Someone had found out, tried to kill her. We prayed, 24 hours later she survived. She went back to America and they did the test, said you were poisoned and you should have died. You told me the symptoms, your whole body had closed down. It was a miracle within 24 hours she was up preaching and that was the sort of people we went with and that changed my perspective on ministry and life. God's a good God, even when tough bad things happen. He's not here to try and twist your arm. He reaches out in love because let me tell you, he's put something treasure in your life and he wants you to know he's a good God no matter what happens so that you can touch other people's hearts. He's an awesome, good God. Thank you for joining us. The Bayside Christian Church community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or follow us on our social media sites at Bayside Christian Church.